You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Oh my gosh, Julia. What? It's season six. I can hardly believe it. It has been such a long time getting here. Yeah. An unexpectedly long time, actually. Oh my gosh. Things things this podcast saw. A global pandemic. Uh, an attempted coup. Um... <laughs> Honestly, too many things to name. Yeah, at this point. Yes. Um, but we made it. We made it to the Se- last season. Yeah. Technically, the last two seasons, but you know, it's all called six. Uh, yes. There's only 20 episodes left, and we are for real in the home stretch. I, 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 it is so hard to believe, honestly. Um, but I am really excited and also sad. Yeah, I'm excited. I, for one, feel hashtag blast. <laughs> no, it's incredible that we've been able to do this and had such great support um, talking about Teen Wolf, because this is a Teen Wolf Real podcast, a podcast where we are talking about Teen Wolf now. Who is to say if we'll talk about Teen Wolf later? <laughs> My name is Christian. And I'm Julia. And we're ready to rock and roll. But before we do, we both want to offer like very sincere thanks um, for everybody who stuck with us and was talking with us about season five. Not our um, happiest season. We were obviously frustrated. Um, I think a lot of people also felt tested by that season of Teen Wolf, hopefully not the Rewolf. I mean, I don't know. It might have been us. Yeah, it might have been <laughs> us. Um, but it's challenging. And, and, you know, we loved the feedback. We love hearing from you guys. And we are uh, feeling... I feel love in this podcast right now, and uh, yeah, it's been great. Also, thank you to everybody who's donated to the coffee recently. Like, we cannot believe people do that. Like, that, you know, feeling like we're doing something worthwhile is an incredible joy. So thank you. Thank you deeply. And an honor. An honor. I'm Mm -hmm. honored right now. I feel so honored to sit down and talk about Teen Wolf. Hashtag honored. Hashtag humble. (laughs) Hashtag stay humble. Hashtag Blessed. Hashtag hustle. Yeah. Girl boss. Girl boss. <laughs> Gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss. Welcome to the team. <laughs> Three things we're not going to do. I think we'll girl boss. Maybe gatekeep a little. No. Uh, I, we are gatekeep. We'll leave the gatekeeping in season five. <laughs> yeah. No. Clean slate approaching season six. Yeah. Yeah. What was the last... Can you think of any other show where you're like, oh yeah, season six was great? <laughs> Um, honestly, season six of Gilmore Girls isn't great, but because it's juxtaposed to season seven, which is horrific, it's like, yeah, that's okay. You know? Okay. Um, but for the most part, I feel like, I don't know, season sixes are relatively unremarkable, or if it makes it to six seasons, you're like, why is this still happening? Supernatural, for example. Shouldn't, that's sixth season. (laughs) Is the reason I stopped watching um so whoops samesies uh yeah well by the first couple episodes of the sixth season of house are like my favorite episodes of house i'll give house a little shout out for that interesting but a lot of shows just don't really get six seasons which is a good thing honestly i don't really remember the sixth season of mad men i just didn't think i liked it as much as five or seven yeah So, so I don't know. Well, people really want a season seven of Teen Wolf, but no. I think it's good that we went out on a relatively positive note. Yeah. I don't need more. We'll have a spinoff or a prequel. Yes. No season seven. Prequel. Prequel. Yeah, prequel about Chris or uh, Chris and Talia and Nishiko because, you know, there's no reason they can't all be hanging out together. Yeah. 
Except that then they have to pretend that they don't know each other later on. Yeah, I guess. Anywho, uh, should we get into this episode? I feel like we can jump right in. I feel I, like I'm excited to talk about it. You're excited to talk about it. We have our matching sweatsuits. We do. In case no, you didn't see the picture, it's on both Twitter and Instagram. We were very excited about this. We bought podcast uniforms. <laughs> By that, I mean it's just sweatsuits. We feel very Gen Z. Speak for yourself. I feel very Gen Z, kind um, of. I feel very much, I, I think a couple of people have commented mob boss or the mafia. That's, yes. That's the, that's yeah. the feeling. <laughs> and you know what? It's a good feeling. Um, so we're going to be talking about season six, episode one, Memory Lost. Yes, it was written by Lindsay Sturman, who also produces and uh, writes on Supergirl, or at least she did. I'm not sure she does anymore. And directed by Tim Andrew. I saw that name and I was like. Good. Love it. And I was like noticing things that were like very Tim Andrew, but also some stuff that I don't necessarily associate with his episodes. Well, it was was very dark. Uh, Well, actually, it wasn't even as dark as I thought it was going to be. It was pretty light. And then we had like sort of a little bit more um, like uh, like a nonlinear shots. We had a little bit more like camera play. It was fun. I don't know who's doing the cinematography, but I I thought it was good. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, so we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of this episode, but first, we have to do the 60-second recap. I'm going to volunteer to go first. Are you really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like I'm I'm putting it out there. Um, you are starting season six on a crazy um, foot It's right called now. manifesting. Manifesting what? <laughs> Me not having to go second? Positivity. Positivity. Um, Here I, at the Teen Wolf Free Wolf. I am all about that. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. Cool. Well, no, I don't no? know. You actually read through your notes, and I listened to you read through your notes, and I didn't. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, my God. Now I feel like the pressure's on for me to do better because you announced that I actually read my notes. You know what? You have a minute <laughs> on the clock. Are you market set? Go. Okay, so Liam and Hayden are hanging up. They have some car trouble, um, and then an empty car rolls by. There's a kid in the back seat. Scott and Styles are discussing, like, what's going to happen when they leave Beacon Hills because they don't really need us anymore. Scott uses his claws to find out what happened to the little boy because they can't find his parents, and he realizes that the Wild Hunt grabbed them and that they're coming back. Um, Leah, Lydia communes with the car and can't figure out what's wrong with it. Malia shows up uh, in coyote form and can't figure out what happened either um but it's magic bullet that shattered the windshield there's yearbook photos happening styles really wants to investigate but nobody's really interested the nazi werewolf is teaching physics mason somehow notices that um the phone compasses aren't working scott's trying to figure out what's going on with the windshield um the kid locks him up locks himself up because he's scared lydia hears a storm but it's not real um scott and styles go to check out the family's house which is abandoned and creepy except for the kid's room he's the only one in the pictures styles actually sees uh one of the wild riders and gets shot by them liam and mason also show up because they were following the compass that they stole from their teacher um styles and lydia are like i don't know what's going on but everybody's disappearing and then they realize that it's uh, oh you are done my friend i felt like i was given good context and uh realized that i was mm. was it context or were you editorializing <laughs> that's the major question we always have to ask ourselves after doing this i actually think I was doing minimal editorializing. All right. I would have to say for myself. But I got two thirds of the way, which is better than half, but not as good as three quarters or all the way. So so that's your fraction lesson <laughs> yeah. for the day, I guess. Uh, you're welcome. I'm so still so bad at fractions. Does anybody remember how to do basic math? If you're in high school, I really hope that answer is yes. But if you're a fully grown adult, uh, do I don't you pull remember. out your phone to calculate tip? I do. I do. Okay. 
Christian, are you ready to try to do better than I did just now? Uh, counter question, have I ever been? I was just hoping <laughs> that maybe, since we're in the home Since we're manifesting. <laughs> I just wanted you to manifest that. But okay. anyway. Um, I'll manifest other things. Okay. Well, you more have. T- more track suits. I will give you a minute starting right now. So Liam and Hidner in the woods having car trouble, and then an empty car rolls up, and there's a kid in it. It's like, don't let them take me. And then meanwhile, Scott and Styles are messing up an investigation. They're like, maybe Beacon Hills doesn't need this anymore. But then, like, it does because Liam calls. And then they bring this kid to the uh, sheriff's station. He can't remember anything, so Scott th- goes through his memories. Mm, unethical. And then they bring Lydia to the car to start a banshee to see what happens. And then Malia rolls up, and they're like, it's not supernatural. And then Styles is like, I'm pretty sure it's supernatural because the, this is how b- bullets work. And then at uh, school the next day, like, Styles messes up uh, Malia's graduation photos because he's trying to push off graduation and he's like can we please go investigate and they're like no we need to graduate what is wrong with you and then there's a Nazi teaching physics and then Mason's like um the phones aren't geolocating what the F anyway Scott and Styles go to investigate the abandoned house and then Scott Styles sees the hunt and nobody else sees it and then the Liam and Mason roll up and they're like yeah the phones aren't geolocating or whatever the F anyway um, they leave the house or they see that there's an empty bedroom and it's actually um, Alex's the kids and and then they realize that the hunt is coming for him, so and they go to try to. Oh my god! Time. I think I'm not distracted. I did something out of order, and then um, I don't know. I think you were really. We both couldn't figure out why in the world Mason would be so concerned, or even notice that his phone, phone wasn't, wasn't geolocating, <laughs> like, dude. Okay. Also, like, hear me out. When I was in high school, depending on what building you were in, you didn't get service. Like, you just yeah. be like, oh, okay. Like I, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's not as though. They were like having a physics lesson where they needed to use their compass, which like, is a thing that happens sometimes in physics, but like not really. Yeah, uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And then, like Corey turns himself invisible. Anyway, um, I get it. Would you like to finish up what happens in the episode? Sure. So Scott and Styles go to the police station to be like, uh, "We got to protect this kid," and Clark is like what kid and they're like what and then they go to the school where Lydia and Malia are and Lydia's like I gotta tell you something Malia I've been freaked out all day about the premonitions <laughs> I've been having and, and Leah's like that sounds like not my problem <laughs> we stand um Lydia figures out that it's the wild hunt and she finds Styles, and he's like, and she's like, it's the wild hunt. But meanwhile, uh, people are starting to forget Styles, including his jersey being given away, which is like weirdly the most heartbreaking thing. <laughs> except for his dad not remembering him. His dad doesn't remember him. Natalie doesn't remember him. The baby pack doesn't remember him. Um, the baby pack does find a body in the janitor's closet, though, which is crazy. And the Nazi werewolf is like watching them as they do their little investigating. Yeah. Um, Lydia, Styles tries to call Scott. Scott doesn't remember him. He meets Lydia in the parking lot. They try to run from the wild hunt. He realizes that there's no running. And he says, remember, I love you. And then disappears. And the next day at school, Lydia's like, I just feel like I'm forgetting something. And it is so good. The stidia. Oh, the stidia of like, it all. It's truly... I, at so many points, I'm like, God, I wish they would just put them together. But the re- like the reward of this slow burn is so good. Yes, especially because it's not as though um, they spend a lot of time, like, hating each other. Like, they are, their relationship is so important, and to get to see it, like, blossom into something that they both truly want. And looks almost like a grown-up relationship a little bit, you know? They both have done a lot of, like, 
dealing with their feelings, putting their feelings in the places where they work at certain times and like negotiating um, their attraction and their care for each other. And like it ending up on the side is so good. Um, but before we get to that scene in particular, let's talk about our theme. So we're going to be talking about uh, anxiety. This episode is ripe with it as am I. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was saying to you um, while we were watching it that I remember being kind of like scared and like anxious the first time that I watched this episode because there's a lot of really good like suspenseful moments. This be- Okay, so some key points of this. The cast has been reduced significantly. I really missed not having Kira there. In fact, I kept on like waiting for her to show up mm-hmm. but not having the chimera pack not having theo not having the argents not having blah 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 like being able to reduce this down to an emotional core of the show which is scott at this point scott styles and lydia because they're the be- you know from the beginning um and having the stakes raised all the way up but just have them just based on personal loss mm-hmm. is incredible. And of course it makes you feel anxious because by the time that like the end of season five is happening, you're like, I'm not afraid of anything because I know it's going to work out and I don't care about any of this and I don't care about these people. And um, it's not very tangible. You know, we don't, mm-hmm. after the beasts, like they find those three piles of bodies, we don't really see the base do anything. It just gets really, um, they played out their stakes too early. This is so fun. It's engaging. It's it, it, and it, it feels personal. It feels personal, and I I also think that part of the problem with five is that it dropped us into the action like right away, but we didn't really know what it was. There's such clarity in what's going on, and like you don't know how it's going to end, but you know who the bad guy is, mm-hmm. and you know what the main like conflict is going to be um, after a really good setup. Mm-hmm. I think like this episode moves. Not, like, excruciatingly slowly, but it has an excellent pace. So well-paced. I, I didn't, ha- you know, it didn't have any of those classic Teen Wolf, like, 30-second scenes flipping back and forth. Yeah. It felt like it was really allowed to breathe. Um, and because of that, that's actually sort of what made the anxiety so palpable and interesting and engaging to watch. Um, where would you like to start? I kind of want to start with Scott. Let's start with Scott, then. Scott is... Um, interesting in the way that him and Malia are sort of the antithesis to the anxiety that Lydia and Styles are feeling throughout this episode. He's very much like a little ready to move on. You know, he even says like in three months we haven't dealt with anything supernatural. It's clearly the, the second semester of their senior year. He really is ready. Like after everything that happened in season five to sort of let go. And he thinks he, he's looking around being like, I think this place can finally stand on its own two legs and Styles doesn't see it. Styles sees evil everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and in part, I think that that is totally justified. Yeah. Um, but I also think that there's a little bit more of a manifestation of, of Styles is like, but if there's no evil, then there's no reason for my friends to hang out, which is effed up. But it's interesting to me that after everything that happened the season previous, that Scott is so insistent that there's nothing to look for here. Yeah, it's kind of a a callback a little bit to the idea that Teen Wolf plays with every once in a while of, like, regression to the mean. Um, And I also think that part of it may be, like, a coping mechanism for Scott because the other thing that he says when he's like, we're, you know, we haven't seen anything supernatural in three months, he talks about the fact that um, everybody's going to graduate and they're all going to go off to college, so Beacon Hills is going to have to be okay without 
Scott and without Styles um, and with just the baby pack. So you're kind of saying that this is like an act of like compartmentalizing those feelings? I think so. Yeah. Um, I think Scott is seeing a lot of hope in the fact that there hasn't been anything for them to deal with in the next three months. And um, he wants to be able to move on. Like he has taken such a toll in the last, um, you know, in the last all of Teen Wolf, mm-hmm. um, like he's dealt with so much, and just you I, know the last um, the entire when did show. He get bit? <laughs> <laughs> um, and like I'm sure the idea for him of like being able to graduate and move on and move out um, is so tantalizing. Like it's so close. It's also so interesting to me how um, it's kind of a fantasy that he thinks that if Beacon Hills is fine, he doesn't have to deal with this anywhere else but it's like (laughs) is beacon hills a beacon for the supernatural yeah but do we know that supernatural things happen everywhere and supernatural beings are everywhere yeah Mm -hmm. dude also i i don't know i feel like scott is a true alpha where he goes go to berkeley i think he wants to go to a uc school i'm not sure i don't remember but anywhere if there is a place for more supernatural creatures it's at the ucs (laughs) (laughs) it's true and and he is like a legend Mm -hmm. at this point that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that he's not considering that his reputation might precede him as he moves forward in life. When like Deucalion shows up because he hears of this kid who might be a true alpha in Beacon Hills. Yeah. He hasn't even tapped. People truly are tapped. Ca- already coming to him. He's yeah. gonna, like <laughs> the pilgrimage is already there. It has very little to do with the town and very much to do with the Scott. Well, I think that's kind of funny because like Scott views himself as the protector of Beacon Hills when in reality, like he might be causing some of the problems. problems. And he very briefly. Actual protector of Beacon Hills, his mom. True. Whom we missed in this episode. She wasn't there. Yeah. Where um, is she? working peacefully because she, she is the only nurse who's still willing to work at beacon hills memorial oh my god how many generators do you think they burned through how um, has the state not shut the hospital down how has the how state- has the state <laughs> Raphael left Raphael left. He should be there every week being like, all right, the weekly supernatural checklist. The fact that he's like, I want to be around more and then promptly stops coming around. (laughs) He says he's going to come to a game and then is like, deuces, I have to go back to San Francisco. Which is like, would have been really funny if Scott was like, well, yeah, that's what it's like having a shitty dad. But because it's never acknowledged, it's like, what happened? It is so funny. Was Raphael taken by the wild hunt? It is so funny to me, like the the things that the Teen Wolf writers think people are interested in and actually want a justification for versus the things they don't care about at all. Um, I'm here for character drama and they rarely give me any. <laughs> yeah, instead they focus on the absurdity of the fact that Scott missed 38 days of school his first semester of senior year and he's somehow still graduating. Um, like... Yeah, where did Raphael go? I don't know. I want to know. Um, yeah, but this is interesting to me. I And I think that, like, it's a little bit how season five started. A, like, a similar, like, Styles is feeling some kind of anxiety. And Scott's like, um, maybe you should trust people. <laughs> Which doesn't work. It's, yeah, we're Like, at so this well. point, like, Styles is, like, he's, like, proof fucking positive man. I am right. <laughs> His track record is, like, Superb. spotless. Spotless, yeah. 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 Uh, in terms of mistrusting people, in terms of 
Exactly. Not <laughs> being possessed or, you know, whatever. He's he's in a lot. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I think Scott, uh, which is the thing that I would have loved to talk about more in other seasons. And by I, I mean, I, I wish the show. Like, it, it seems like Scott just wants the chance to be normal for, like, a day. Yeah. Or, like, a month. I think, and I just, like, we don't have to cover um, her a huge amount because she's not a massive part of this episode, which is unfortunate. But Malia is, I think, in the same boat. I don't think she's telling Lydia, like, I don't care about your banshee problems because she doesn't care. I think she's like, if I don't pay attention to them, they're not happening. (laughs) And I get to graduate from high school and be normal. Even though she does start the episode just naked. Fully naked. Good for her. Honestly, (laughs) if you got it, flaunt it. (laughs) And she does got it. She do. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. Well, and it's also kind of like, um, a tension between like the observable and the unobservable because Malia's like, well, I don't smell any blood. So these people, like they're clearly dead, but like, I don't have, you know, any reasoning for it. And like, I'm trusting my instincts versus Lydia. Who's like, well, my instincts, which are like completely intangible Mm -hmm. says that they're not dead. Um, and it's like a conflict between the characters who are more in tune with like the part of the supernatural world. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting that like those two like are pitched as like the instinct characters. Mm -hmm. Like I would say what styles kind of has is a little bit more like intuition. Yeah. He's got that gut feeling. Yeah. But like Lydia and Malia are tapped into something else, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's really interesting that those things are at odds because, well, one, I think that normally like Lydia is the default, you know, are they, are they dead? Are they dead? Yeah. 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 She's the, she's the (laughs) smell test for death. (laughs) Um, So it's interesting to me that again, like Malia's like, yep, nope, I'm done with this because yeah, if I were Malia, I'd be like, I am done with this. My life has been so weird and so hard, but look, I can turn back into a coyote again. That's cool. Do you think she like, sleeps like that like she curls up as a coyote in bed maybe she has a dog bed in her room (laughs) I think that's probably uh unless I'm wrong and I could be because I don't really remember much of this season um raise your hand if you've heard me say that before um but I think this is like one of the only pieces of evidence that Malia did like get Corinne's powers yeah because she's easily able to transform and de-transform yeah. I don't know. Um, she snagged him. At will. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. I like, I'm happy for her. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. She, she has all, she's accomplished what she needed to accomplish. Yeah. She can turn back into a coyote. She's graduating high school. Like, so, that's why she does not want to be bothered with other people's problems. Yeah. Like, what, what else yeah. does Malia have to worry about? Nothing. Um, but some people are sticking around Beacon Hills and still have to deal with those problems. I'm talking about the baby pack. Oh, the baby pack, which includes uh, Liam, yeah, Mason, Corey, and Hayden. I can't tell who I find more boring, Corey or Hayden. They are both boring. They are both just like <laughs> love interests, and they like try to make like they're the problem with Hayden is they made her a cool girl. She's yeah. like, I'll lift a truck. And it's like that, okay, Amy Dunn. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, hmm. Yeah. It, I I don't know what they were expecting to have to deal with um, after season five, but they, you know, 
made it pretty clear that she was going to be sticking around because she's like a full werewolf now Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, And Corey gets to use his fun little invisible powers to steal a compass that I don't know how they know that it's there. Well, again, like in physics labs, you ever do like shit with magnets where you mess up compasses? Yeah. Yeah. But that feels like something I did in like middle school. Yeah. Um, But the baby pack is also kind of wrapped up at the central mystery of this episode and the whole season which is the wild hunt um but they don't really know how to handle it and liam is kind of trying to assert himself as the guy who's gonna be the power in beacon hills the funny alpha yeah the funniest thing to me is that they don't it is clear that scott has never sat down and been like so here's how like the pecking (laughs) order works and how power is transferred because he just assumes that when scott is gone he's like well when my dad leaves i get my dad's job (laughs) I'm actually He's like this is actually a nepotism gig so I'm the alpha. I'm actually president of the company. <laughs> yeah. Um and both I I think rightly Mason and Corey are like I don't know about that. You mean Hayden? And Mason. <laughs> yeah, Hayden is like Okay, honey. <laughs> Babe. Babe. We talked about this. Babe. Yeah. Um and it's interesting to me that they this whole conversation is centered around one part, you know, what happens when they leave. And one part is, aren't we done when they're gone? Mm. Which is kind of what Hayden brings up. She's like, that's their business, you know? I don't think, I mean, Liam doesn't seem to reciprocate that feeling. No, because he's like, he wants to be the alpha. (laughs) He does. Well, and then Mason wants to support, uh, Liam, especially also, and we ne- we never get to talk about the, how does Mason feel about having been the Beast of Givaudan? How does he feel about oh, that? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. It's so annoying that we never get to talk through those traumas. Like, we didn't really get it n- enough after the Nogetsune, I don't think. No, not at all. Um, I would have freaking loved, and I said this to you while recording, I would love more than anything a conversation between Lydia and her mom after she gets out of Eichenhaus that isn't style save me that's like mom how dare you do that to me like talk about it that's that's what I'm here like again I'm here for the character drama (laughs) yeah Um, I'm here for the character drama and cowboys so and here we are complaining when Teen Wolf gave us some pretty decent character drama oh yeah yeah like at this point we're just being like picky (laughs) um yeah, but the ba- I mean the baby pack is kind of dragged into the anxiety of the wild hunt and the anxiety that just naturally comes one with like being older because like when they become seniors or juniors or whatever they are like it- instead of it being a fun time like we run the school it's like oh no we run like the beacon of Beacon Hills. Yeah. Well, it's like you know what I think, you know how like being a junior is like your best year of high school and college because you're like, I know exactly what I'm doing and I don't have to think about my life after this. And then you're a senior and you're like, oh my God, I have to think about my life after this. They've been rolling through their junior year being like, this is great. I don't have to think about anything. (laughs) I'm having a great time. And then now they're like, no one's going to be around to tell me what to do with my life after this. Um, (laughs) um, um so yeah. yeah i mean it's it's a natural um anxiety of responsibility which is interesting to me and you know i think liam is sort of like i'm the alpha but it's also clear that he's like i can do it guys right right like you think i can do it right like he's needs that assurance um and 
it also shows that these guys are still in high alert. Like the second they're sitting there and they're like, we smell blood. It's like they're back in the end of the action. Like it doesn't really matter if there's an alpha, except that bit where he runs through the door is <laughs> so good. It's excellent. Yeah. Uh, well, they clearly like don't have any real hesitations about taking action. It's just like they feel, I think they feel supported because they do have Scott around. Yeah. After they've taken action. I agree. To help them out. And to not have him would be like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know. Where's, <laughs> they'd have him on speed dial. Hi, Scott. Yeah, no, we're in the middle of something, but I do need your advice. <laughs> you hear like screaming in the background. I, that is like what we know Scott tries to do with Derek when Derek's not around. And I think it would have been really funny if there was just like a tiny short scene of Scott leaving Derek a really frantic voicemail. <laughs> yeah. Like a funny one. Or Styles even. Like, yeah. Just like, the adults have left the building. Where are they? Well, no, this is a really adult heavy season. It is. Oh, no, but like the adult werewolves have left well, the Well, we know where Peter is. Yeah, I can't wait. I, oh, I want to see him so badly. Oh, next I miss episode. Um, should we talk a little bit about Lydia? Yeah. Lydia's having a bad day, per usual. Lydia is having really, like, what I would compare to like season three level banshee moments in this mm-hmm. um, episode. She does seem way more confident though. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. Um, She's more aware of how to investigate her own fe- powers and feelings, which is really interesting. Yeah. I especially really liked um, at the beginning of this episode when she is investigating the car that the parents got raptured from. Um, you know, she's touching the glass and, you know, being very purposeful in her movements and like what she's looking at and how she seems to be focusing, which I really like because it's not, you know, we're not sitting here like, oh, Lydia, try automatic writing. Lydia, try this. Like she seems to have real confidence in what will get results Mm -hmm. from her powers. Yeah, totally. Which is great. Yeah. Um, but like inherently her powers breed anxiety because she predicts death you Mm. know or you know tragedy yeah in general um and it would be really deeply unsettling to go through all day wondering is this feeling about somebody i love you know it's kind of been a while since lydia's found like a random body you know Mm -hmm. so and that kind of tells me that she's honed these things in strong enough to keep them sort of in network (laughs) and to feel that as strong as she is she's clearly upset that it's going to be about somebody and that's why she calls Malia yeah um and I think that scene of her in the classroom where she hallucinates getting zapped by the television as sort of a representation of the lightning is really really interesting um I think she feels very alone as well in this investigation you know yeah I mean that's not particularly new for Lydia since she is always the odd one out being the only banshee where's parish he peaced out deuces <laughs> i really i can't remember him in this season but i could be wrong um and yeah she she is always alone except for styles yeah and the fact that he's the one who gets taken um you know she's really panicking in the moments before it happens like yeah of course you would be um the anxiety over like losing the one person who 
of the current cast really tried to figure out what was going on with you and kind of like has the a similar brain wavelength mm-hmm. to you and then he's just gone and also for Lydia um like one of her biggest frustrations um and anxieties throughout all of coming into her banshee powers is having something on the tip of her tongue yeah that she just can't access and that I think is like exactly what it feels like Mm -hmm. um at the very end of this episode for her i totally agree it was also we were talking about practical magic before we started Mm -hmm. it reminds me of the scene where sally is here's the death watch beetle and she's ripping up the floorboards to try to crush it Mm -hmm. even though she knows she can't stop what's going to happen to her husband yeah and that's what it feels like you know lydia's trying so hard to identify it and and see it and and when she's running in that sort of like chase scene with styles like she knows she knows it's coming she knows exactly that it's coming but she can't stop herself from trying to push just a little bit further to have a little bit more time with him Mm -hmm. you know and that that anxiety overwhelms her um past reason and when he steps out of the car it's huge you know it feels like he's admitting defeat but she's she's known the whole time that it, it was coming um I love that scene. I think it's so good. It is iconic Teen Wolf. It really is. First of all. Um, But yeah, I'm so excited for the role that Lydia is playing in this season moving forward. I think think they should have actually made season five about Lydia in the Mm -hmm. way that it, it pretended it was. But seeing like Lydia get more time this season, like Holland Roden finally being compensated for the work she's done in this show um is is exciting to me should we talk about styles yeah (laughs) this is such a good dylan o'brien episode like i don't need to say that he's very good at acting um and all of the little details about styles disappearing the fact that his form isn't filled out anymore the jersey like all of the stuff that's happening to make you realize that, you know, it's going to be him who's gone. I kind of wish that they didn't bring that stuff back up at the end because I think the audience is smart enough to know that that's what all that meant. I agree. Um, what frustrates me about that actually is, like, that is what it felt like the writers thought they were doing in season five. Yeah. Of, like, dropping all of these breadcrumbs, but they don't make any goddamn <laughs> no. sense. But the breadcrumbs in this make very good sense. And, you know, it's... It, what's great is it, it's a consistent feeling of anxiety. It's it's wrapping over from the beginning of season five. It didn't really get utilized very well in season five. Um, and it's something that we understand that Styles, as we said, is often right about. Like, he knows when things aren't clicking. And right now everyone's like, well, you just don't want to graduate because you're afraid to graduate. Because, yeah, graduating is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, unless <laughs> you hate your hometown, then get out of there, kids. Have fun. <laughs> um but yeah, it's interesting to me. Like he's also having Death Watch Beetle feelings. It doesn't. He can't quite pin it down as much as Lydia is because he doesn't feel it as personally. He doesn't see it inherently as death. He just thinks that something supernatural is happening, and he's like, "This is our gig, you guys. This is our kind of stuff. We gotta, we gotta do this. We gotta get out of school." And everyone's like, "Yeah, but we can't put off life for this forever. It can't always be our job when there's other things on the line." But to Styles, it's you know that's always the thing that's on the line for him. Um, and yeah it's interesting i think the whole scene in the house and that's the scene that you said was anxiety inducing right yeah um it's so good particularly when everything about um the way that they just kind of designed the walkthrough of that house like with the 
table that is completely dusted over, but there's still plates and cups on it. And then all of the rooms are empty except for the one at the very end of the hall. And you open it and it's like, oh, this normal, you know, preteen boy's room. And Styles gets left in it by himself. And uh, this is just like such an effective trope because it's like a, you know, I don't know, preternatural, like, prehistoric fear mm-hmm. of like don't look under the bed yeah um because he sees the the dust ruffle fluttering and is like there's something under there and that is like what brings him face to face with the wild hunt yeah or the face to hoof uh yes the bloody bloody hooves i also sort of love the sort of um naivete like embodied in being in a childhood bedroom mm-hmm. you know it's very sort of um it, it reflects how sort of young these kids really are and how young styles wants to stay and that's how he's getting trapped as somebody who didn't want to move forward in life all of that is like you know he's got a little bit of peter pan syndrome and that's kind of um symbolic of that in that room as he's in it alone without scott who's moved on um yeah that whole scene is so good and yeah the don't look under the bed I also love that that whole scene takes place in the daylight. Mm-hmm. Terrifying, and it takes place in the daylight. Terrifying. Uh, yeah, I think Styles is kind of one of the only characters on Teen Wolf who really gets to lament not having had an, a genuinely normal adolescence. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott kind of does, but it, like Styles has always seemed a little bit more youthful, a little bit more goofy um, than the rest, and it would make sense to me that he kind of not resents but like is regretful mm-hmm. that he had to grow up so quickly and literally not just because of like the supernatural thing but because his mom died like things like that yeah um well i also think that there's an even an argument to be made and like i would love to hear your take on this that like after scott got bit styles life got worse than scott's did i mm, i don't know it really felt like they were kind of in the trenches there together Um, but I will say that like the effect of reawakening the supernatural in Beacon Hills has had a far more adverse effect on Styles than it has on Scott. Yeah. Which is not to dis like discredit Scott's suffering, but he also like He spent a lot less time possessed. So So and he also like has really effective ways of protecting himself. He doesn't have to grab a baseball bat, you know? Yeah. Like he doesn't feel powerless, um, which I think is one of the worst things that you feel as a human. Yeah. And I think being powerless can also sort of infantilize you. And that's again, where styles is at in that kid's bedroom by himself. And you know, uh, when he's, he's so, so in it's set on saving Alex, this kid. And obviously everybody is. Cause like we save children. <laughs> that's an A plus thing to do. Thumbs up. But it so, so much feels like an extension of like self. It feels like a projection of his anxiety about being like, I need to save this kid because I, that's all I'm good for right now. You know? Well, and he even says like, Alex has no one. I think, you know, both styles and Lydia, feel a profound loneliness mm-hmm. um which i think is anxiety inducing in and of itself yeah um and the fact that like to styles nobody else seems to be as preoccupied with helping this kid as he is uh is frustrating yeah i'm sure yeah i think and I, I agree and i think your tie-in with lydia is is totally valid um the only the worst part about this season is that this is like kind of the most we see of Styles. We obviously see all of his, you know, 
time in the train station with Peter. Genius. But like it's almost sad that we he gets this whole episode to just be good and mm-hmm. then is ripped away from us. But like get your money, Dylan O'Brien. I'm yeah. excited for your future projects. Well, I also think that it's um, a testament to the strength of this season that they're able to accomplish so much without having him in the main cast. Well, I think the big thing is that we've localized the emotional pull of this season to to one character who is the most probably universally liked character on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he's, he really is like the, the emotional hook. And even if he's not there because that's the goal, it makes it so much more interesting. Everybody, even when they don't know that that's what they're fighting for, you're waiting for that realization. It's so interesting. Um, and centered. Yeah. Um, should we move into Q's nose? Let's do it. Do you have any cues? Um, an unanswerable cue for okay. you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why does nobody notice that the Nazi is a werewolf? Yeah, because like everybody else would be like, "You smell like werewolf." He, he is like, yeah. They'd be like, "There's another werewolf in Beacon Hills. They're that, already looking for him." That shit used to happen all the time. Yeah. Um, maybe there's a legitimate explanation for that in the next couple of episodes, but if there isn't, I will be peeved. What? Do you have any questions? Um, no. <laughs> why do i ask well i just let, i feel like i i'm interested in your questions but i'm here to just let teen wolf come to me as it does it's not worth fighting that's very zen i, I, I gotta be a little zen this season i think we all deserve that true do you have any o's oh i have so many um god i cannot believe we're still doing the claw thing just so willy-nilly Get your claws out of that 10-year-old's neck. There needs to be an, a, a consent form signed by a parent or guardian. Also, the fact that I, to my knowledge, that's the first time they've done it on a human. Because Corey was already a chimera. No, they did it to Lydia. Oh. Or, well, Lydia's like a banshee, but like... Uh, and, the, and it fucks her up. Yeah, it does. So um, that and bothers me. I guess me. they also do it to Void Styles. Okay. Well, he, but he's possessed by a centuries-old spirit. Yeah, this would be. This is like the first time that we're seeing it on like a civilian. Yeah, it which is, is weird, and it's like a little kid, and I'm like, that cannot be the solution anymore. You need to just write a <laughs> mind reader into your show. Yeah, it's, ugh. we never had a psychic. I get it. The whole banshee's like, I'm not psychic. You're something, but like, uh, who cares? Introduce a psychic. We would have liked that. It's season six. Give us a vampire. <laughs> no, no, no. Hard no. Hard no. Um, I really it's just like who checks their compass we already talked about that oh my god Um, (laughs) like (laughs) did you guys see (laughs) have you have any of you noticed that your phones can't geolocate today no because why would i check wait did you ever have moments in high school where one person like the first person who had a smartphone would get like a news notification and like announce something horrific to the rest of the class i'm that probably did happen i can't think of any specific I I remember it happening a couple times, but like in the pre-smartphone, you just went to high school and you had no idea what was happening outside those walls. But then as they started being like... Or, you know, you went to computer lab. Yeah. But like all the websites (laughs) you wanted to go on were blocked. Computer lab said no Facebook. (laughs) You know, for good reason. (laughs) No. Oh, well, Facebook, I feel like is fine. Facebook is so tame now. Uh, I mean... It depends on what you're using it for. For the Teen Wolf Free Wolf podcast. <laughs> That's group. true. Uh, it's just, you know, the 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 conspiracy theories live on Facebook. Oh, that's true. I don't read the feed. <laughs> I, I actually have not posted a status since before college. 
since before college. Yeah. That is wild. Uh, can't can't say that the same for myself. Someone's going to grave dig me and be like, actually, that's <laughs> not true. That's not true. Um, I loved the kind of atmospheric dread of this episode. So good. Um, I, I thought the set deck was great. I thought the house was great. It was, it was fantastic. I love that they br- the, the horses bring leaves with them. Yes. It's very spoopy. It's great. Yeah, it's very fall. It felt, yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, man, I wish it was like actually fall. We're getting like pre-fall spookies right now. The August spookies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. They're not doing this intentionally, but the compass thing is like very parts of the Caribbean. It points <laughs> to the thing you want most or whatever. Um, I love the fact that the wild hunt song is riders on the storm, which is not a folk song. It's not ancient. It is just a song by the doors. Yeah. Which like, hell yeah. Okay. Uh, Jim, Gene Wolfe was like, we can do supernatural just a little bit. <laughs> Jim Morrison knew something we didn't yeah. clearly. Um, and I loved the high school shenanigans. I have missed high school, not like personally, but you know, on Teen Wolf, missed it desperately. And I think when we talk about like centering the show emotionally, I think that that helps do a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. So I missed it and I loved it. Yeah. What are some of your observations? Um, okay. This is not technically about the show, but the title cards for this season suck. We don't get any like the, like, they rely so heavily on clips of the show and not the cool, like, we asked Tyler Hecklin to throw a bunch of baby powder around. Yeah, I just don't know. Like, we already had most of these characters. They already had yeah. their title sequences. It was just, it would have just been about giving J.R. Bourne, um, Lyndon Ashby, and Melissa Ponzio one, which probably would have been fun for them to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like, thought it was really, like, lame that they took that away um but i it's fun to see jr born melissa ponzio and linda nashby get top billing in the show and actually see them in the credits because mm-hmm. i feel like they could have been in the credits like forever ago oh true yeah. yeah i have to i feel like that's the first time i've ever genuinely seen those title cards because when i was watching it through for the first time i just click skip, skip. intro oh i like listening to the theme song <laughs> I there's a couple like theme it. songs i don't skip i don't skip mad men mm. yeah i don't skip teen wolf and I never skipped True Blood. No, because no. it's often the best part of the episode. <laughs> it really is. God, if True Blood was as good as its title sequence, um, it would be one of the best shows ever made. Oh my god. Um, what else? Oh, I really like the musical cues for like Lydia's banshee powers and like the sort of hunt musical cues. It's a little bit seems like um, a return to form for three A, where we had that like really distinct Duroc chanting. Yeah, well, and I, I think, again, it adds to, like, the the vibe, the atmosphere of what's happening, um, as opposed to it being, like, really specific to one certain scene. Like, it feels cohesive, is what I'm trying to say. It does. Um, I love the design of the Wild Hunt. I love that they're cowboys. There's no freaking reason they should be cowboys. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, a Norse story. They could be Vikings, but no, they're cowboys, and you can't see their faces because they're covered with the hats and the handkerchiefs, and yeah. I love horses, as everybody as, knows. As we know. <laughs> I love horses, so I love the Wild Hunt. Um... They kind of, they remind me of the ring race from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But like a little bit less terrifying and a little more badass. Yes. Um, oh God, they really are scary. They're really scary. Yeah. Um, um, so love, love the design of the, the wild hunt. Um, oh, I love that little bit when Styles is like, Lydia, I could kiss you. She's like, don't. And he's like, I did it anyway. And kisses her on the cheek. It's so cute. Such a good little studio moment. They are precious. Fresh. Um, 
And they both, I don't know, they just If look, you don't ship Stidia, what, what why, are you doing? Why do you watch the show? Do you, if you watch the show because you ship Liam and Hayden, I can't, <laughs> I can't understand I, you. <laughs> who are you? I want to know if there's anybody who's like, oh, Teen Wolf OTP is Liam and Hayden. I have Given like... our mentions <laughs> of people talking about Liam and Theo, I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, like, of all of the shows I've ever watched, like, I have two OTPs. Like ever. Cydia and Cydia and Bellark from the Hundred. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's it because I don't care about literally any other relationship. Well, that I'm much. 25. I don't really have ships, but <laughs> Cydia is something I care about personally, deeply in my heart and soul. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like over the OTP <laughs> phase of my life, but Cydia was great, and it makes me happy, and it's really cute, and the whole thing in the car is great. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I already mentioned when Liam goes to bust down a door and Mason just opens <laughs> and he keeps running. I love shenanigans. This was this episode had everything. It had high school. It had shenanigans. It had cowboys. It was great. Um, I think that's done with Q's and O's. Do you want to give us our fact stats? Yeah, super minimal, um, which is fine because I appreciate minimalist teen wolf. <laughs> God, I wish. I wish, literally. <laughs> um, we had two eyes, two claws, two shirts, because Malia was fully naked. So it counts as two. Um, and then a Nike ad, because, uh, I don't know, they made very, they made an effort to show Scott's little sleeve with a uh-huh. little swoosh on it. Um, Nike and money. there have been no sirens. It has been a quiet Tuesday here in Chicago. What a banner season opener. I loved this episode. We had, and here we were like trying to complain about it, but at the end of the day, we had a great time watching it. Oh yeah, it was fun. I'm I, excited to talk about the rest of the season. It feels like we are turning over a new leaf, starting a new chapter. I mean, we are obviously, but also like life has been breathed back into this podcast. Um, I feel like this happened way more often in previous seasons, but like we're wrapping up and my cheeks hurt because we've been smiling yeah, and laughing, we've been laughing so much. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It feels good. Um, do you have an alpha of the week? Um, but I feel like I'm not going to be able to say it for a while. So Styles. Styles. Yeah, yeah. Styles. A little Obviously. bit Lydia, but Styles. Yeah. A little bit. Um, he's doing the most, even though he doesn't make it. Yes. Well, he makes it, but not where he's trying to go. No. <laughs> um, I agree. I think that wraps it up, right? I think so. Guys, if you liked this episode, I hope you guys follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on Tumblr, Teen Wolf Rewolf, and our Facebook is Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast it's a group just join it and hang out with us um if you really like this episode you can leave us a review on itunes if you leave us a review on itunes and five stars we'll read it out loud on the podcast and maybe do some commentary uh and if you really really liked this podcast you can uh, buy us coffee ko-fi.com forward slash teen wolf wolf you can also buy our stickers on redbubble um we have fun podcasty themey stickers that we'd love to see covering the world um other than that We're going to kick ass this season. I'm excited. You're excited. I've been Christian. I've been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, Woo!